But look at what the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 13. Now in Christ Jesus, you, somebody say he's talking to me. Now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. He's writing to these people and to us. And he's saying there was a time that you were far off. You were far away. In other words, there was distance between you and God. We know this in our own relationships. That kind of distance could be felt. It can be felt. I, I know you've experienced this before. You can be in the same room with somebody. You can be sitting across the same dinner table and be physically in the same place, but because of something that's happened between you, because of an argument or a fight or something that took place or it, it maybe a betrayal of some kind, man, it can feel like there's miles between you. And really, you're just a few feet apart. And he's saying here that there was a time that we were far off. And I don't think we really understand the kind of distance that sin put between us and our creator. Because when Adam sinned, the, 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 the Lord had already told them, if you eat of that tree, you will surely die in the day you eat of it. Now, if you don't understand what God's talking about, that might paint a picture for you that if I take a bite of this thing, I'm going to drop dead. My, my heart's going to start beating. It's going to be over for me. But that obviously was not the death that God was talking about when he said that to Adam because Adam and Eve ate of the fruit and they didn't cease to exist. They lived for hundreds of years more. And yet, did they die that day? Yeah. Well, what is that death then? Death is separation. Death is separation. It's what happens to a branch when you separate it from the vine, when you separate it from the trunk of the tree. If you put any distance between that branch and that vine, it's dead. Because that branch to live is dependent upon all the life coming up out of that thing, flowing to it, flowing through it. And the moment you separate them, Death begins. And that's what sin did. And that's what sin caused between us and God. It caused separation. It put distance between us and him. And we don't know how long Adam and Eve were in the garden. But what we do know was before sin, there was fellowship. There was a closeness. There was an intimacy and we know that sin is a wrong thing and sin is a bad thing. But what we need to understand is what makes it wrong, what makes it bad, is what it results in. It results in separation. It results in distance. Sin is really just the enemy of intimacy. It's the enemy of that closeness and that friendship and that fellowship. And that's what happened to man. When he sinned, it put it put distance between us and God. And that's why he writes here that at one time you were far off. And I've been working over the last couple of days to try to understand that in a, in a way maybe I never have before. The kind of distance that it put between us and God. When we moved here, it's been over two years ago now, I grew up in Texas um, and not out in the country or anything. We were there in the city suburbs and 
And one of the things I noticed that changed in me right away when we got here was my fascination, if you will, with the night sky. I'd never seen it like that before. And even to this day, I, I will walk out on the back porch at night and just stand there and look and try to wrap my head around it. And it's hard. I downloaded this app that lets you hold your phone up to the night sky and where you see a light or a star, it'll, you can click on it. It'll tell you the one you're looking at. And I just stand there and the kids and Sarah are probably getting tired of this, but it's like night after night. I'm like, guys, that's Jupiter. I'm looking at it. That's, that's Venus. And you can cr scroll through all the, the facts about it. And Venus is the brightest light in the sky next to the moon. And da -da 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 -da. You know, I'm learning all this stuff. But the thing that's, that's just boggling my mind is the distance. Trying to wrap my head around the distance. I was reading about uh, Pro Proxima Centauri. Do you know what that is? That is the nearest star to our solar system other than our sun. The nearest one. And it's something like almost five light years away. And then you start crunching the numbers and you realize that a light year is how far light can travel in a year at 186,000 miles per second. So light traveling at 186,000 miles per second, not an hour, per second, it would still take it five years to get from us to, to Proxima. That means approximate, the closest one. Five years traveling at that speed to get from here to there. That's distance. I did the math on it. It's something like almost 25 trillion miles. And then you start looking throughout the sky and you, I clicked on one the other day and it's 487 light years away. And there it is. In other words, light could travel at 186,000 miles a second for 487 years before it would get there. You don't want to go shopping in Denver. That's an, that's an hour and a half from here. Oh, We'd love to go to Orlando this summer, but it's just so far away. We have no concept of distance. And when I read about the distance that sin put between me and God, between you and him, I don't think it was a few miles, a few hundred miles. I think we're, we're probably not even doing it justice to say it was 25 trillion miles between us. There was some distance between us. There was a time that we were far off. Now back up to the beginning of this chapter and read about why we were so far away. In chapter 2, verse 1, the Bible says, You he made alive who were dead. We were separated. Why? Because of trespasses and sins. There was 25 trillion miles between us because of sin. In which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the mind, 
of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath just as the others. There was nothing different about us. But God, verse 4, who is rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead, even when we were 25 trillion miles apart from him because of our trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. Now notice every time you hear this word together, he made us alive. How? Together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. Raised us up. How? Together. Made us sit together in heavenly places, in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, that not of yourselves. It's the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Verse 11. Therefore, remember that you, once Gentiles in the flesh, who are called uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision made in the flesh by hands, that at that time you were without Christ, being aliens. (laughs) Talk about 25 trillion miles away. Being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ, you who once were what? 25 trillion miles away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Why did he have to bring us near? Because we were so far apart. We were so far away from each other. And at that kind of distance, there's no friendship. There's no fellowship. There's no intimacy. Something had to bring us near. Something had to close the gap. Something had to put death to the distance between us. And see, the the, the Old Testament believer, God's people under that first covenant, they understood this. They understood what sin did. They understood that it kept them at a distance from God. They understood, don't you go near that mountain. You touch that mountain, Sinai, and you will drop dead. Why? Because the presence of God was all over it. They understood, don't you go into that holy place. Don't you go strolling in there. Why? You got sin on you. And, And that can't go in. This flesh of sin, that can't go in there. And that's where they were like, okay, uh, you, high priest, you You go. Tell God we're sorry. You, you go say, you go apologize for us and, and we'll, we'll make this sacrifice. And when they made that sacrifice, they understood something about it. That it was not just a symbolic death of an animal. They understood that when that priest laid hands on that animal, they were, that priest was imparting to that animal the sins of the people. And when that animal died, they understood that the distance between them and God was dying. He was putting to death the distance between us. Now, the only other thing about it that they understood was that it was just a type. It was just a symbol and that it really couldn't do what they needed it to do. It would cover sin, but for a little while. And if they were to turn around right after that sacrifice and go 
commit that sin again and do that thing, that wrong thing again, guess what? That distance between them and God is restored. And where there's distance, there's death. And that is what kept them and God so far apart from each other. But God, who is rich in mercy, saw us in that state, separated from him. And instead of saying, well, you're going to have to come my way. Instead of saying, if you want to be close to me, you're going to have to come. You take some steps towards me. He took the first step. In sending Jesus, his whole effort and the motivation behind it was to bring us near again because we were so far apart. Now this keeps going in verse 14. And he says, for he himself is our peace who has made both one and has broken down the middle wall of separation. You hear that? That separation. Jesus is our peace and he has made both one. He's talking about the Jew and the Gentile, the ones who were close and then the ones who were far apart. He broke down this middle wall of separation, having abolished in his flesh the enmity. That is the law of commandments contained in ordinances so as to create in himself one new man. A new man, a new creation, if you will. Because that old one can't come close to God. And if he, Jesus is going to get rid of the distance between us and him, it's going to have to be a new creation. Not a counterfeit of anything. Not something that looks good on the surface. Not something that's dressed up like the real. Something that's got it really going on on the inside where it cannot be duplicated. Where it cannot be counterfeited. He's saying, I'm going to have to make a new one of these to restore the fellowship. To restore the closeness and the intimacy. He's the one that wants it. Let me just jump ahead of myself right here and say this. Don't you ever, ever again say, I just feel so far away from God. Stop it. I know we tend to say it because I know the feeling that goes with it. But don't you dare let some feeling, some fleeting feeling that you may have be bigger to you than what Jesus did to close the trillions of miles between us. If you've got to, you say, I don't care what I feel like. He brought me near. And if he did it, be it unto me according to your word. I am close. I'm close, to, I'm close to God as my next breath. The word says that, that he is near to me, even in my mouth and in my heart. I don't feel close. Shut that up. It doesn't matter what you feel. We don't live by what we feel. We live by what we see in the word of God. And if he said we're close, we're close. We are close. He said in verse 16, We'll back up to 15 again. Having abolished in his flesh the enmity that is the law of commandments contained in ordinances so as to create in himself one new man from the two, thus making peace, and that he might reconcile. I know we're not reading something out of the so-called Christmas story, but without this, there is no Christmas story. And this is the story of Christmas. 
The story of Jesus' birth is Christmas. The story of Jesus' death is Christmas. The story of Jesus' resurrection is Christmas. The story of His ascension is Christmas. The story of Him coming close to us and us coming close to Him, that is Christmas. God and sinners reconciled. What is it to be reconciled? Go back to that kitchen table where, where the two of you sit and you're, you're literally just... a a few feet from each other, but you feel miles, millions of miles apart. What do you need? You need some reconciliation. The bringing back together. It always interests me when these words get used in, in so many different ways. Reconciliation, we understand it as, you know, two people who were at odds and they made up and now they're friends again and everything's good. It's an accounting term. It has to do with making sure the books line up and that what's in the account matches up with what went out from the account. It's, it's accounting. What's the correlation here? The correlation is that sin put us under a crushing weight of debt. It put us under a debt so big that to even think of paying it would be laughable. And reconciliation, being reconciled to God, is God looking at the books, looking at what we owed Him, and just releasing the debt. And looking at you, and for lack of a better word, just saying, we're good. We're good. You ever said that to anybody you've been in a fight with before? Guys are good at this. Sometimes I feel like, women, you need to sit down and you talk it out and you get, you get to the place where everything is, is reconciled. And then when two guys, when one guy makes another guy mad, the other guy looks at him and he's like, bro, we good. We good. So whether you are, you know, using a bunch of words or just a couple, the point here is reconciliation. And God, there's a bunch of words in here that go to prove the links that he went to to reconcile you, but at the end of the day, he's looking at you. You know what he's saying? We're good. We're good. But what about what I owe you? We're good. How could I ever repay you? We're good. We're good. Thank you, Lord. We've been reconciled. Verse 16, again, that he might reconcile them both to God in one body through the cross, thereby putting to death the enmity. He put to death the distance between us. And he came, talking about Jesus, and he preached peace to you who were afar off and to those who were near. For through him we both have access by one spirit to the Father. Somebody say, I've got access. You've got all access. I mean, again, you go back to that, that old covenant believer, and that was the one thing they know. I don't have access. We got to get this guy to go in there for us because I can't go in. I don't have access to that place. And this is what we need to understand that the coming of Jesus has done for us. And not, again, not just his birth, but his life, his ministry, his death, his burial, his resurrection, his ascension, all of it was to give you access. Access. 
and not just access, but He has invited you to come boldly before the throne of grace. The throne, that seat of power, the greatest power in all the universe. Do it tonight. Look up into the night sky. Look at the vast distance between us and and these stars and these planets that are around us and realize that the greatest authority and the greatest power sits on the throne of heaven. And he's the one looking at you going, we're good. Come on in. And, And if you're smart, you might go, really? Are you sure? I can come in there and everything's going to be fine. I'm not going to be fried to a crisp. I'm not going to be smited or whatever that means. No, but he's saying, come boldly. Come boldly before the throne of grace. How can you do that? Because you've been given access. You've been reconciled. God and sinners have been reconciled. Let me give you something else to never say again. That you're just an old sinner saved by grace. Church, you can't be both. You cannot be both. You cannot be a sinner and saved by grace. You can either be a sinner or you can be saved by grace. And once you've been saved by grace, it was the blood of Jesus that did what the blood of bulls and goats and animals couldn't do. His blood didn't just cover your sins. I can hear those religious wheels turning. Wait a second, what now? No, no, no. The blood of bulls and goats covered sins. The blood of Jesus washes them away like they never existed. And because of that, here's God. You know what he's doing? It's like you tied to some rope and it's this 25 trillion mile rope. And the blood of Jesus is bringing you close and bringing you closer and closer and closer and closer. And you have been brought near. And he's saying, okay, you've got access. Come on in. Now, the only way you're going to come boldly before that throne is if you know what's waiting for you when you get there. If you think that there's some judgment and some anger and some condemnation waiting on you when you get to that throne, you ain't coming in and you certainly are not coming in boldly. But when you realize that it's the throne of grace and that what's waiting for you is grace and help and mercy, you will come in and you will come boldly. And you don't have to pray through somebody else. You don't have to pray through this saint or that one. Why would you pray through them when you can come through Jesus? This is direct access. Can you see now why I would tell you, don't ever say again, I feel far from God. I just feel like we're so far apart. I just feel like God's not near. Well, you're being lied to. And you're buying into some counterfeit Christianity that has nothing to do with the real thing. The real thing says he's near. The real thing says you've been brought near. Hey, thank you so much for listening to the Legacy TV podcast. We hope you enjoyed this. And if you'd like to hear more of Jeremy and Sarah, subscribe to this podcast and download the Legacy Studios app. From there, you'll have access to the Legacy Television broadcast, the Legacy Letter magazine, and so much more. You can also visit pearsonsministries.com to contact us directly and find out how you can get involved with everything that's happening here at Legacy Studios. Be blessed today. We love you. Remember, you are always welcome here in the House of Faith.